Please welcome former WWE developmental and current PCW veteran ring announcer, Dan Masters. I think, Mike, you're trying to get my gigs. The few gigs that I've still got out there and the opportunities are, are more floating your way. I think the best way to say it, I've got more going on in my back 30 than my front 30 uh, in the front uh, windshield. But it's good to be here. It's a beautiful day and sunny. Southern California, Long Beach to be specific, and I, I get a lot of heat for it, but other than doing this with you today, my only plan is to be Tan Dan and, and sit right there at the uh, loneliest beach on earth, Lonely Long Beach. So uh, I'm going to work on my tan as soon as we're done. Let, let's just make this quick. What do you need? What, what's this for? Let's just get it all out of the way, the paid portion of the program. This is one of a kind. Do that. One more. We'll get this in, and I think we've got everybody covered. Hold on. Wait, you did. I got to stop you because you wanted one thing. I got a surprise for you. Okay. Three, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mike Ran and these exciting, exclusive interviews you won't find anywhere else. <laughs> Welcome to the Mike Rand Show, and today's special guest is Dan Masters. Thank you for joining us today, Dan. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's an honor. I know that a lot of the women of wrestling and the ladies that have been involved in professional wrestling have come on, and, and they've told me that, oh, you've got to chat with Mike. Mike's one of the biggest uh, WOW fans and GLOW fans and, and just wrestling in general fans that there is. I said, you don't know how many inbox messages. I turn these things down all the time. I'm not really into putting myself over, rather put talent over. But when demanding Lana Starr says, Dan, do it, damn it, I do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Dan. I, I definitely appreciate that and I love your work. Um, why don't you tell us all how, you started? Does. How, did, how did you get started with ring announcing? How did Dan Masters get started ring announcing? I think you and I would need to pack our pillows and blankets it's going to be a long ride if, if, if you're <laughs> how long is this flight um how did it get started well i was watching wrestling as a young child on the uh floor of my grandparents home in waycross georgia i remember saturday mornings on tbs that's how old i am so don't let the hair dye and the botox fool you i've been around a while and uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it started way back when, but uh, the ring announcing aspect, truly, I didn't see it coming. I, I, I wasn't sure, you know, whether I'd just be a lifelong fan or not, but there was a day, it kind of came twofold. There was a guy named Ben Masters, who was a promoter of independent wrestling in Cordial, Georgia, and I was in Walmart one afternoon, and there were a couple of wrestlers sitting at a table, and it said uh, autographs, pictures, t-shirts, that basically what you'd call a gimmick table selling their merchandise. And when my mom and I walked into the store, Mike Jackson, Action Mike Jackson said, come here, young man, what's your name? I introduced myself, he said who he was. He started signing my name on a t-shirt, handed it to me. 
I said, thanks. You know, he said, let's get a picture while you're here. We did that. Then he looked at my mother and told her, that'll be 30 bucks. Got me, right? Had no idea there was a fee involved. So that led to getting tied in at Ben Masters, and I'd been watching wrestling on television. That day I went and took a look at the ring. It was at Williams Football Field set up outside. Got in the ring, took pictures. I think I was 10, 11 years old at the time. Ben Masters ended up eventually allowing me to carry the jackets from ringside to the locker room door at the matches. So I carried the jackets to the back. I was allowed to take pictures at ringside as long as I gave the photos to the promotion. They didn't allow me in the locker room because of the way things were then. And, uh, and that was moving along well. Every month I would do that and get a chance to go to the matches. Uh, you know, of course we had to pay. I would help set up chairs. I would work the concession stand. I would take pictures. Anything the wrestlers needed or and to be done, I would do. But I also had a chance to hang out with the promoter, Ben Masters. And I got a chance to go to the TV station, the radio station, hang posters. And I'm just a little kid. So that was my tie-in with Ben Masters. And on the flip side, another Walmart experience was in America, Georgia. One day, I see a sign that said, want to be a wrestler. And again, I was a kid, but my father that was with me that day called the number. And the guy said, yeah, you can bring your kid by. We train every Sunday afternoon. The only thing is we're going to charge you for him to come by and take a look. My dad's like, okay, oh, well, what's the cost? And the worker in the uh, professional wrestler said, it'll be 100 bucks. So my dad paid the 100 bucks. Anyway, I guess the wrestler found out that he could work my dad over for $100 every Sunday if they let me come and watch them work. And that's just the beginning. So, you know, we'll start there. So did you actually step foot into the wrestling ring and try your hand at wrestling? No, but I had a video camera. Yeah. And uh, so they let me film. And one of the wrestlers that was in charge of the training who passed away, uh, he's no longer with us, James J. Michaels or James Woolley or Gringo Pantera. Anyway, he, he realized that he could get my dad for this money every week. He could get my dad to drive him to the matches, whether it be an hour away, two hours away, three hours away on a Friday and Saturday night. Uh, so he paid for the fuel, paid for the meals, rode to the events in a Cadillac instead of a, you know, Volkswagen, uh, broken down, barely making it to his gigs. So anyway, he had a good thing going. All he had to do was let me sit there and watch or videotape. It was great. And that's when I learned how the kind of carny wrestling circus, uh, I started learning how things really worked. Okay. And then how did you get more um, involved with the broadcasting and ring announcing at that point? As the years floated by, uh, 10 became 12, became 15 and a learner's license in high school. And, you know, at that time, as the wrestling roller coaster, as Bob Armstrong says, this business is like a roller coaster. And who knows, as people are watching, I just, for reference, we're in April of 2020 now as we shoot this. So who knows where the roller coaster is now? Who knows if this is 50 years in front of us or 50 years? I guess they couldn't be watching 50 years behind us. <laughs> it's this 5G stuff really about. Uh, I don't know either. But yeah, so how the broadcasting thing kick off? I fell in love with radio also. I was listening to a guy named Rick Knight in Macon, Georgia on the afternoon show and Ben Masters would go on his show and have wrestling segments. 
So I was always listening and into that. And I said, man, I would love to be on the radio one day. I would call in. They would take my calls. So around 15, 16, I guess, uh, I got an opportunity to meet a guy named Sam Diamond at a radio station in Columbus, Georgia. He was also a wrestling fan. And I was involved with a wrestling promotion there that decided, well, we could get some free advertising if we allowed Sam to be our ring announcer. So Sam came, did our ring announcing. I was managing by then. I had broken in as a, the youngest wrestling manager in the world, James J. Henry III. And the fans would chant Canary. I said, don't call me. It was great because this is a spoiled little brat kid. What's he doing with you? I had to have a briefcase, the tie, all that stuff. So I was a bad guy manager. So I wasn't even thinking about being a ring announcer. We were getting so many uh, death threats at the time. And, and, and we would leave the events. My dad driving the Cadillac. Got James J. Michaels in the back seat. I'm in the front seat with my dad. But we had security fans throwing rocks and all kinds of crazy stuff back then. I mean, in South Georgia, wrestling was real as it gets. I mean, it was a dangerous time to be a bad guy, especially a bad kid at 13, 14 years old. But by 15 happened, uh, Sam Diamond was there at an event. He was our ring announcer. And he said, "What you know, you, you, you say you want to be in radio, right? And I'm like, yeah. He said, well, we got stuff open. You know, you could wash the van once a week. I said, I'll take it. How bad is that? You get a chance to be around all the radio announcers in a medium-sized radio market and, and learn the business. You know, it's volunteer work. He says, listen, I can actually get you minimum wage. I can get you like seven bucks an hour to wash the van. Count me in. So then I started soaking up the environment like a sponge. One day we were at a, what was the concert? Some concert at the Columbus Civic Center. And they were throwing, the station was throwing it to us at the tent for live shots. All the staff went inside to meet the arts. And I'm at the tent, manning the booth, making sure People got their bumper stickers and the T-shirts and all the free jargon people wanted. Come up, hey, are you Sam Diamond? Are you right? No, I'm Dan Masters. Or I'm just Dan at that time. Well, the guy at the board at the station threw back to us. The microphone's on the table. No one's around. It's just me. There's dead air. What do you do? I picked up the microphone and did what my boss had done previously. The guy at the station calls the van. We had a phone in the van back then that you pick up one of those I don't know what they're called bag phone dude what are you doing that was great so after that they gave me the Sunday air shift let me do weekend overnights people that had shifts part-timers weren't showing up they weren't uh, reliable so I ended up getting the spot on the weekends and then I found out that at high school they would give me credit for doing an internship or getting a job at a radio station like a broadcast you know, I wasn't too, my grades weren't all that great in school, but I realized that my boss at the radio station could give me my class grades. I could work my way through high school, not just floating through summer school, getting the credit and paying for it, but by going to the radio station, hanging out, giving away CDs and t-shirts. So I took it up and that's when I got the job. What, what kind of radio station was it? It was B101 WBFA in Columbus, Georgia. And they were a group of cluster stations with Cumulus. Uh, we had a rock station, a country station, an AM station, an a AC station. So we had a cluster there. And I, I just started staying at the station constantly. I'd get there. I'd say I would get there around 9 or so and, and stay till 9 or so at night and then drive the hour home. But what really kicked off was 
when they decided to go from a localized morning show to a syndicated morning show, they needed someone to run the board. I took that spot. So then I was there from 5 a.m. till literally nine at night. Uh, and radio was different then. It was before satellite radio. Uh, the stories I'm sure you could hear from radio vets that, you know, it wasn't automated. You didn't pre-record your shift. You didn't busy out the phone lines. Uh, you could actually talk one. I remember when AOL Instant Messenger first came out to date myself, and, and listeners would message in photo. It was wild. There were no cameras. There was no cell phone cameras following you around trying to break scandalous news, TMZ stuff. Uh, there were no uh, surveillance cameras in the offices. It, I'll tell you what. What would you do for Dave Matthews tickets was the hottest thing going back in the day. Yep. I mean, I mean, definitely. I remember growing up listening to the radio, calling in for contests. And if you're driving to work, I mean, listening to that traffic report, you know, that was crucial. together on the tens and the fives and we're clear on the South side. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So then you had that career in radio and then you also had a career I heard about in, you know, ring announcing with boxing and MMA. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I'll just share to break us forward as fast as possible that the radio stuff was going great. I was still doing, trying to still do wrestling, managing on the weekends. But one thing I failed to jump in here with the radio start, they said, Dan, what do you, you can't use, they said basically this, you don't want people that see you at wrestling knowing you're the same guy from the radio. You're a bad guy out there. That image of you needs to be, radio station need to be a good guy. You gotta connect with everyone and, and, and you know. So we need somehow to separate that. So you're James J. Henary, Canary, the whole thing over here. Where are you gonna be over there? I said, well, we're gonna use Dan Masters and roll with that, my uncle Ben Masters to take it. So we took the Dan Masters thing and we started printing up stuff and, and really getting them. I, I think that the older veteran Radio hosts were getting a little jealous. They're like, we got to try to put a stop to this guy. We got to push this guy to the side a little bit. He's taking some of our thunder. But it all worked out in the long run. And yeah, I got some really cool jobs, but you're never really in radio until you get fired from radio. <laughs> we might save that for part two. A couple of times, the termination of radio and the downfall of that. And these are probably more wrestling fans watching. Here, so. I think probably, what'd you ask me anyway? I get on a tangent. Um, you could talk about uh, how you got into MMA and boxing ring announcing. It's the same. It's basically the same way. You meet somebody at a wrestling show and they tell you, hey, you should be working for the WWF. Well, what are you doing here in front of 500 people when there's 5,000, 5 million watching that product? Uh, you'll be there one day. I still hear that every event. You know what? You stick with this. You're pretty good. You may make it there one day. And then you, you know, I was in the, Mike, I was in the developmental as you. Yep. That's what I was just going to ask uh, about the WWE developmental. It, it, it was the forgotten developmental. It was, I like to say developmental before it was cool. Uh, dare we ever see this footage on the network, but deep South wrestling out of Atlanta, Georgia, where the first pilot of their TV, which we did eventually get myself and the assassin, Jody Hamilton uh, did the hosting. Once we got on television, my dear friend of many years, Nigel Sherrod, uh, who's done so much and is currently, as we film this, on tour with the Globetrotter organization. But Nigel ended up doing the hosting with Bill DeMott. Of course, Jody Hamilton, the assassin, was the promoter of Deep South Wrestling. 
under the WWE umbrella. And prior to that, back in the 80s, he also had Deep South Wrestling. But I became the ring announcer. And the way I got that spot was myself, Nigel, and two others auditioned at the Deep South Arena in McDonough, Georgia. Who did we have there? Angel Williams was there. Uh, Kofi, Ryback, Eric Perez, Sonny Siaki. A lot of names you see now actually started there. Natty was there. Uh, I could go on and on. Lots of talent at Deep South Wrestling. But we had our tryouts. And I didn't get it. Nigel didn't get it. But a man named Troy Beasley got the position. So they liked him a little better than us. And uh, Troy did it for a few weeks. I came with my personal video camera. I'd love to find those tapes. And they allowed me to film in the audience because I had a local television show in Columbus, Georgia that was like a wrestling program where we sh shot footage and received footage from independent organizations and aired it on our television in Columbus. It was called Wrestle Jam at the time. But so Troy Beasley got the spot. I was there filming for my personal use. Nigel became a cameraman for Deep South Wrestling as they filmed for in-house before they got the TV deal. Well, Troy had some rocky times and turns out he didn't make it to an event. Jody Hamilton, the assassin, knew I was there and he remembered me trying out. Nigel was preoccupied. He was their camera guy at ringside. So they said, Dan, you got your stuff with you? And I said, always put my jacket and my tie on and I started ring announcing for the first I'd say 12 weeks of Deep South Wrestling Television and those tapes, of course, went to WWE. They were on the, what? I'd have to Google it. My mind gets foggy at times, but we were on a, what was the station? We had a, a group of stations in Georgia that we were on. And that was quite the ride, but yeah, WWE Developmental before it was cool. The Forgotten Tapes. The only time people talk about Deep South Wrestling is when there was the controversy of Bill DeMott's termination and the training regimen regime that went down and i'm not really going to get into detail on that i like bill believe it or not he treated me well the only time i had any issues with bill demott would have been uh when i showed up late for work on a taping thursday i was two minutes late and if you were late you had to do laps around the building and i had a suit on and you didn't just have to do two laps or three laps you had to do it until bill got tired of you doing laps so that only lasted once, and I was never late again. And uh, I loved my time with Deep South Wrestling, and it still gives me a chance to visit those opportunities arise throughout the years. But after Deep South Wrestling shut down, I did get invited to move to Tampa, Florida, but I was doing pretty well at the radio station, and I had to make a decision. I decided to stay with the radio station. By then, I was doing nights at WVRK Rock 103 in Columbus, Georgia. And my numbers were doing pretty good, so I decided to stick with that. Okay, awesome. And then let us know, how did you get involved with WOW Women of Wrestling? How did Dan Masters link up with David McLean is a wild, crazy, should be a reality program uh, type of deal. Because I remember in Savannah, Georgia, doing radio. And I got a call from an old friend, Bambi, Selena Majors who I've known since I was a toddler, since I first started going to matches and getting pictures. There was a way to throw those up that we could do it. But she called me one day and she said, remember when I approached you? She actually approached me about coming out to be a part of WOW back in 2000. 
the very first incarnation of women of wrestling. And at that time, I was graduating high school to date this old man, and I turned her down. I just, I was afraid. I was scared to move from Columbus, Georgia, to, or Savannah. I guess I was in Columbus, yeah, to Los Angeles. It just seemed like there was no way I could pull that off. I should have, but I didn't. So we fast forward to the most recent incarnation or two back of wow. When I got the call and I finally made the jump. She said, Dan, I know you're happy and I know you're having fun there in Savannah, Tybee Island every day, but David McLean's gonna relaunch WOW. And I'd been hearing for years that she was talking and they were working on things. David had so many different television deals, ESPN, and she said, This is the time you need to do it. I said, I can't move to Los Angeles, but Rob Van Dam, who I'd been friends with since a kid, he was also living in LA. And for years, he told me, hey, you should do it. You should make the jump, move, check it out, have some fun, see what happens. So I said, you know, Rob's there. Selena's moving back. Wow's going to be on TV. And this could be my shot, but I've got this radio job. What do I do here? That's when she hit me because I said, I'll think about it. She said, well, we're leaving in four days. <laughs> oh, four days. I had a job there. I was happy. Girlfriend so many things. Elise, I asked my mom, do you think I should do it? I don't know, I don't know. My dad said, yeah, do it. Uh, I called Rob Van Dam. He said, get your ass out here, we'll have some fun. Talked to David McLean on the phone. He said, I need you to record some audio for me. I said, okay. I said, I'm out at dinner at Applebee's. I said, I'll take care of it first thing tomorrow when I get to the radio station. He said, no, I, I need it now. I said, now. He said, yeah, if you could wrap up your meal, I'll pay for it and uh, get to the radio station and send me this audio. That's when I realized David McLean wants something. He wants it done now, and he wants it done right first time. So I went to the radio station, recorded what he sent me, sent it to him. That began our relationship. Sometimes I look in Gmail and, and see back on that first message from David and think, God, what a roller coaster. But the, but the opportunity to come out here was awesome because the concept then was moved to Las Vegas, when I got in the car and packed up all my stuff and we came out here, it was myself, Leilani, Kai, and Bambi, and a guy named Steve Stasiak. And we got in my Ford Crown Victoria and drove from Atlanta, Georgia, to what we thought was gonna be Las Vegas, turned out it was Los Angeles, downtown LA, the Biltmore Hotel, bunch of hillbillies coming uh, up the mountain, up the hill to Los Angeles, and we were living at a five-star hotel for 90 days with food and the whole nine. Myself and David and this guy, Steve Stasiak, who assisted, uh, we were the only men in a room and life of countless women that wanted to be part of professional wrestling if they even knew what it was at the time. Now, did you know David McLean prior? Had you watched Glow or, be, or was aware of who he was at the time? Absolutely none. The only thing I knew about Papa McLean was Selena had a relationship with him uh, longer than she knew me. And that was enough. If she put her stamp, if Bambi put her stamp on someone, that's all it took. What were some of your favorite matches that you witnessed while your time at WOW? My favorite matches with WOW, God, there were so many. Some of my favorite matches will never be seen. They were uh, at Friday Night Fights, which I helped put together here in Long Beach. There was a series of events we had that were untelevised. Uh, 
a lot of the matches that I enjoyed were actually at the training center. Well, we were training at the Biltmore Hotel. That was our headquarters for a while. And uh, some of those forgotten characters, Azukar, um, Frost, Fire, the original. Uh, you know, there were a lot of characters that floated through that fans don't know about, and that's fine. Uh, I really wish the reality cameras would have hit off because it was explosive, some of the things behind the scenes then. But I guess I have to say my favorite matches with WoW would be Lana Star matches, right? Definitely. Lana has the best matches. And I got to ask you. <laughs> I, don't that, I, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that, but if I don't say it, I'll be in trouble. <laughs> now I got the million-dollar question here is who is the tougher boss, David McLean? Or Lana Star. Ooh, well, you know she's got a history of terminating people for answering questions or doing things the wrong way. So, as you see, I've got my Lana Star shout out here. Uh, I'll have to say, who's the toughest to work for would be Lana Star, right? I don't know. I listen. I've never been her assistant <laughs> on the books, and she's had many assistants over the years. Yeah. Thankfully, I've never been in the in the paid assistant role uh, with that. So, David David may be tough, but you know, if you work for David McLean for an hour, you you get a whole new sense of life and how to do things. And let's be real, I mean, you know, a lot of people say, "Dan Masters, uh, what happened with Wow?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" You know, they see me at PCW Ultra Ring announcing now here locally, and whenever I'm out and about, what are you talking about? Well. Access TV and the, and the Wild Superior Show and Shaw Guerrero is the ring announcer. And I said, yeah, of course she is. What? They, they try to insinuate that I got fired or I quit or I'm no longer a part of WOW. Couldn't be further from the truth. You know, if I'm flipping through the channels, I would much rather see Shaw Guerrero on my screen than myself, right? <laughs> I see David McLean weekly. We text, all the, we text all the time. I guess my phone's here. But uh, I'm still very much a part of WOW family, and I'll likely see them maybe this afternoon. Who knows? Uh, Selena and I like to go. Bambi and I still toss in Bambi. We like to go to Hooters down the street, so we may do that. What, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned from David McLean? I learned from David McLean how to, how should I say this politically correctly? I learned how to, I think I already knew, but I became better at vis-a-vis -vis David McLean, getting what I want and maybe not letting the other person realize that I wanted it and it was their idea. And what would you say are three things that you'd like to share with us that maybe people don't know about you? Three interesting facts or anything like that. The first one is I'm not dead yet. I like that t-shirt. Rick Flair's got a shirt that says that. I'm not dead yet. I'm still going. But uh, I think that people wouldn't know about me. They should. Um, man, that's a great question. Warrants, lots of warrants. <laughs> You're gonna want a part two. I'm not gonna give you everything. <laughs> this is a paid for interview, right? Okay, so yeah, warrants and number three, number three would be, uh, if they don't follow my social media, they may not know because of my 
appearance that I eat six times a day. I'm a skinny fat guy. I love food. Um, I like a nice beverage from time to time in the adult scene. All right. I'm like an old school throwback, man. I, you know, I, I'm more old school than I am new school. A lot of the kids these days, from what I understand, my relationships and those that I know at WWE, they, uh, they leave the events and they play video games in their hotel room. I'm more of a go out to the local mom and pop bar and, I'm not a big club guy. I don't do that. I'm not a dancer like David. I can't cut a rug. That's one thing I should learn from David McLean because that's a very valuable asset also. But uh, no, I think I'm more in love with the old school. Somebody that you didn't mention and I would be, uh, I'd really like to go on this one for another hour or two, but unfortunately your time, you're a lot busier than I am today. Uh, but Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, a lot of my career, I have him to thank for. I uh, was a part of Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling in Marietta, Georgia. I spent a lot of time with Dusty, and, and that was a part of my life that I won't forget, and sometimes people don't know that, but I'm uh, pretty confident that I'm the only person that's got a letter of endorsement. He had his NXT kid, but I don't know how many of those kids got letters of endorsement handwritten by the American Dream. So I've got that on my wall uh, at my mother's home, and I'll always treasure that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today, Dan. Can you let us know what your social media is? So if anybody wants to reach out to you. DanMastersLive.com. D-A-N-M-A-S-T-E-R-S-L-I-V-E. DanMastersLive.com has got everything uh, active in the Insta stories. Not so much Twitter, but real Dan Masters on Twitter. And uh, who knows that this time that people are watching what the most popular social media is, but they can find it there at danmasterslive.com. And uh, yeah, I guess the other thing to promote is Order Alana Star t-shirt. <laughs> All right, thank okay. you very much for joining us today. And thank you guys oh, for- whoa, 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 stop the press, stop the press. One more plug, okay. because there aren't many companies still booking this old man, PCW Ultra. Every Friday they have an episode there. And if not now, there's an archive of, uh, I got Rob Van Dam to become a part of the company early on, and it's really taken off here in Los Angeles. In the times of independent wrestling, it's very appreciative of audiences and the upwards of nine to a thousand, nine hundred to a thousand people, and we've been graced with a pretty incredible fan base at PCWUltra.com. Fans can watch the archive and and see what's going on with that. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thank you very much. And we'll talk to y'all soon. Take Ren and these exciting exclusive interviews you won't find anywhere else. It was like five days a week for like three hours a day, every day. And it was, it was kind of intense because it was for a really long time. I am Sofia Lopez the greatest attorney in the world.